Welcome to Book Rising, a podcast by the Radical Books Collective. Hello and welcome to an episode of Book Rising, our podcast. I'm excited to step in uh, for an episode of our Radical Publishing Futures series, which is usually hosted by our managing director, Meg Arenberg. And that's because I have uh, Zakashu Mekvibin here with me today, joining from Berlin. I first met Zakashu in Hargesa at a wonderful book festival, and I came to know all about the exciting work that he does. Uh, he is the founder and editor of Bakma magazine, which started at the end of 2011, uh, which is a truly innovative and dynamic magazine of literature and culture. And it rose out of a need to fill the gap created by the absence of literary and cultural magazines uh, in Cameroon at the time. And it aims to empower Cameroonian storytellers and highlight a vibrant African cultural life. Zekashu himself is a writer and editor uh, with a degree in bilingual letters from university in Cameroon. Uh, his first book is a collection of poetry titled Sions of the Malcontent. I hope I'm saying that right. And it was published <laughs> and it was published in 2011. His fiction has appeared in Vasafiri, Kwani and Jungle Gym and he's also won quite a few prizes and residencies himself. Uh, and he is also someone who actually gives out prizes through Bakwa magazine. So we'll talk about the many different roles we you play and uh, hopefully we will learn a lot about what we think Bakwa is doing, which we think uh, is, is a type of radical publishing, actually. So welcome, Zekashu. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's such an honor. I've been following the work that you've been doing for quite a while now. So it's really an honor to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. Um, so let's start with something very simple. Will you, will you tell us all a little bit about Bakwa magazine? What does the word mean, the title? And what is it that you do exactly? What is unique about your approach? Okay. That sounds, that sounds like starting with the most difficult question. <laughs> is it? Oh, gosh. I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, like, um, so Bakwa is, is um, a diminutive of Abakwa, which is a nickname of um, a town in Cameroon called Bamenda. So like, for example, if um, you're going to Bamenda, you'd say I'm going to Abakwa. So like Bakwa is kind of like um, a diminutive form of Abakwa. And um, being being obviously, or at the time, being primarily an English-speaking magazine when it was conceived, Abakwa sounded like kind of the most um, logical name to give uh, Bakwa magazine. And um, definitely a lot has changed about um, what we do and how we approach. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe I should start with like, yeah. So like very much in the in the very, very beginning, Bakwa was conceived as this um, literary magazine because they, they, they really weren't magazines that had the vision or, or boldness that I was looking for, especially in Cameroon. And, Mm -hmm. particularly English-speaking um, magazines. And so um, very impulsively, I just, I decided to start it because I was like, <laughs> well, why, why not? This is like, yeah, I, there's like, there are all these really cool magazines everywhere from um, Sarabat to Kwani to Chimurenga. And it's like, why don't we have um, something in Cameroon? So that's pretty much how um, 
Bakwa came about. And it was it, the heyday of the African yes, it was. cultural magazines at it the was. time. It yeah. was, really. It, those, those were glorious days. And I was like, why don't we have, why are we not part of this cool club? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 And, and so I spoke to um, a friend who was the editor of Palapala magazine, which was um, kind of the foremost um, Cameroonian digital magazine at the time. And it had just closed. And I spoke to him. Um, we had a lot of like conversations and um, I had a lot of questions because like I was just like jumping into this, like having no idea what I was doing. And given that he was um, editor of Palapala and um, is a journalist, he was really able to tell me about a lot of things, put me in touch with a lot of people. And um, yeah, based on that, I was just like, yeah, whatever, let me, let's go start it. And yeah, and, um, that's pretty much how it started. And then I would send out, um, in addition to the call for submissions, I would send out emails to people whose work I read and like, hey, I read your work here and here. I just started so-and-so and like, are you, interested in sending something our way and like yeah that's 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 what it looked like um in the beginning around 2011 2012 and then gradually um i started trying different things and also having um different editors on board at different stages and um one of our first major experiments was in translation actually and it was a partnership with the ofi press in mexico where um wow. Uh, so it was like this Bakwa magazine, Ofi Press partnership, where the Ofi Press published um, West African writers in Spanish and um, Bakwa published um, Mexican writers in English translation as well. That was like 2012. That's like maybe Bakwa or two, something like that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was like uh, kind of like 2012. So that was like um, our first main experiment and that it was really, it was quite well received in terms of like just introducing writers across geographies and across languages. And the, the feedback kind of like went around for years. Like I would still hear people talk about it um, years later. And um, that was quite interesting. And it got me thinking. So in, in addition to like just doing the normal mm -hmm. publications that we're doing, I was always thinking of what can we do next? How can we how can we grow? How can we go in different directions? How can we solve so-and-so problem? Because it's always an attempt to solve a problem that pushes us to kind of like um, a different level or a different kind of um, philosophy. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think the next big shift started coming around 2016 where um, we discovered that it was not enough to just be that place where um, you can publish writers and make sure that they're read by a larger audience. It's it's definitely necessary, but it's not enough. Like not even close. It's like so much more that needs mm -hmm. to be done. So um, it's at that point that we started thinking of more partnerships, and then we also started doing kind of like um, about two to three workshops um, every year. So simultaneously, we're doing workshops that come with um, mentoring programs. Then we also did the Bakwa magazine short story competition, which we later on renamed the Bakwa mm -hmm. um, short story competition. And so like 2016 was, 2016-ish um, was very important for us because we kind of like um, went beyond just being a digital publisher, but we became very active underground. We became very um, involved in, 
in, in, in really building infrastructures um, for the future because um, mm -hmm. there were so many writers that needed the skills, there were writers that needed networking, there were writers that needed mentoring, there were writers that needed recognition. And so it was like just so much more that needed to be done beyond um, online publishing. And so that's how we kept pushing mm -hmm. these boundaries more and more. And then, um, then came the... Um, Limbe to Lagos uh, project, then um, yeah, lots of lots of other yeah. <laughs> projects. Yeah, of course, uh, I love that you say that a lot of the shifts that you made and the growth that you had came as kind of uh, ways to problem solve certain things that you were seeing um, in the cultural uh, space. Uh, just very quickly, you know, I think. Uh, of course, you did a lot of innovative, exciting things, and you continue to do that to really create a whole new kind of platform and space uh, for Cameroonian uh, writers, poets, and so on. Um, but how do you, in what way, how do you think about sort of Cameroonians, what I see as a pretty glorious literary past, right? Uh, I think there's there's been historically exciting francophone uh, literary production from Cameroon. I'm thinking about writers like uh, Mongo Betty, I guess. Um, you know, how do you navigate the old and the new? Like, what's the difference, you know? That's that's an interesting question. What's the difference between the old and the new? I, I think, I think like writing always um, reflects the period and it reflects the, um, the concerns, like some of the most pressing concerns of each period. So, I guess um, different periods of Cameroonian writing have really different concerns, different stylistic approaches. And overall, it's also very much tied to individual writers, um, idiosyncrasies and personal styles. But interestingly, we we're very much um, we, we we're very we, we like we also like to look at ourselves as bridging different kind of gaps. Right. And it doesn't just happen with the work that we do with Cameroonian um, literature because we're very, we actually don't define ourselves as a Cameroonian magazine or Cameroonian publisher. It's more like Cameroon based, but mm -hmm. the focus is um, African literary production, either at home or in the diaspora. Right. And to come back to your question, so like we, we very much like to define ourselves as um, bridge builders because like we are very much at the intersection between a lot of things and we um, kind of bring so many different people or so many different um, things together. For example, we are kind of like a midway between the younger generation and the older generation. For example, we have um, projects where you would have older writers mentoring younger writers, would have projects where you have younger translators um, translating older writers, you have projects where you have um, English-speaking writers um, in workshops with French-speaking writers, and then there's translations and all, and all of that. And um, so like we, we, we tend to build these bridges across language, across age, across gender, across geographies. And I think it's very crucial to the work that we do because it's kind of like we are in the, we're kind of like in the middle of so many different things. That's why I, I like to- right keep coming back to the image of the bridge. Sure, sure, that's a great image. Uh, and, I guess and, also, and, yeah. No, yeah, I guess, I, 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 go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just to come back to like what you mentioned about um, Cameroonian uh, literature's glorious past, definitely we've had a glorious past. We also had kind of like um, slow years. 
But right. I, I think we have kind of like come back to a glorious period. Like um, if you look at um, Imbolumbui, if you look at, and, and, and it's, 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 there's so many different ways to look at it between um, writers getting million dollar uh, book contracts and um, Howard uh, Maximus, who's kind of like, I can I can say a product of Bakwa because like literally the first time he started writing was at a Bakwa workshop, <laughs> and and now yeah. he's won like the Morland um, Fellowship and he's uh, doing his MFA, and and even beyond that, there's like so many exciting writers who have agents and who have uh, book deals in the pipeline, which I cannot talk about right now. But sure. still, I definitely think that we are back to the glorious age, yeah. Both, both for French speaking writing and for English speaking writing. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think I misphrased my question maybe slightly. I think I was thinking also about I think the gap you're filling is a gap of infrastructure, like. You know, I think, uh, you know, yes, Cameroon has had glorious writers in the past, but there's always been some sort of an issue around access or actually understanding uh, like the public, you know, public kind of culture uh, within Cameroonian space because of political, you know, uh, stuff going on and things like that, as opposed to, say, South Africa or Nigeria, where we've had a continuous flow that enters different parts of the of the world. So it felt like Cameroon goes through phases of being locked out and then back in. So I think Bakwa has consistently now, it's been over a decade, uh, has been, um, you know, um, being out in the world and has created an intense and amazing infrastructure, I think, through all your productive collaborations and so on. So I think that's partially um, kind of what I was getting at, but I wasn't... Uh, articulating it uh, yeah quite. definitely definitely yeah yeah uh so maybe very uh, you know not in a confrontational way but why do you publish in english right i ask of course in yeah. the light of uh in the world we are all like stop publishing in english go back decolonize languages go to this yeah, yeah. Go, you know uh do more translation which of course you do uh, and but of course it's totally different for Cameroon because of what has been called uh, the anglophone crisis mm-hmm. uh, and in light of the political complexities that arise out of that I know you're bilingual um, French and um, English so just tell us a little bit what this anglophone crisis is and where is Bakwa in terms of English language publishing within that are they related before before I come to the question itself I would like to kind of like also point out how we navigate um, languages uh, in general. Like definitely we are an English um, English language magazine, but only to some extent, because like if you, if, if you look at our contents, we have, I would, I would say we are maybe 80% of our content is in English and 15% is in French and the other 5% is in other languages. So like, for example, we, we definitely have content in English a lot. Then we have content in French, then we have content in Pigeon English. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, forthcoming content in Kampfranglais and then we've had content in German in the past and then we've had content in Spanish. So it's 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 not exactly very accurate um, to define us as an English speaking magazine, which we still are. Yeah. And 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 um, an anecdote about how um, a lot of people don't know how to process an issue of Bakwa mm-hmm. magazine. For example, an English speaking reader in Germany would read it and would be, would, would feel a bit unhappy because they're like, okay, they've read it. It is like seven stories in English and four stories in French and they don't read French and they're like, they don't know what to make of it. 
And then on the other hand, um, you would have um, somebody in Paris who speaks both English and French who would read it and praise us that this is what they've been looking for their whole lives. So it's, it's always quite interesting to see how these different um, reactions, how different people react to it. And, and to come to Cameroon and how, how we situate um, ourselves, that, that's, that's, a really, that's a really complex question because it's kind of like also situating us within a much more complex um, issue. Um, I think the, the best way to answer it is that um, overall our audience is a very international English speaking audience in a much mm -hmm. more broader sense. Um, but otherwise, so far as Cameroon is concerned, so far as the Anglophone problem is concerned, we, we, we do our best to raise awareness, to publish stories about the Anglophone um, problem, to translate work across writing, so across English and French, such that there is much more access to Cameroonian stories, no matter where you're from, because like we, we believe this um, access is also very important, and it kind of like brings me to this um, project that we did with the University of Bristol, which um, ended with the publication of uh, this Baling the Balingal anthology, Your Feet Would Lead mm -hmm. You Where Your Hat Is, um, this was a very important project for us because it was, its aim was kind of like to create empathy among writers and um, by default a much more larger audience by actually telling stories by telling the stories of everyday Cameroonians irrespective of where they come from irrespective of what language to speak and above all making sure that these stories were translated and available in English and French. Wow yeah I understand um, and uh, you you mentioned a bit your readers how you know how do you characterize your readership do you have a readership in Cameroon itself I know you do a lot of events for example, in Yuande, I think I've uh, seen, you know, um, flyers and stuff for that. Yeah. Uh, where do you find your readers primarily? Who, you know, where do you actively seek? Where, where do you actively seek readership? Who do you want to be reading them and who is reading them? Yeah, yeah. Who do we want to be reading them and who's reading them? I mean, I guess we want everybody to be reading. Uh, of course. And, and also... <laughs> I also think across the different projects that we have, because it's also very important to point out that Bakwa is not just Bakwa magazine. So there's um, Bakwa Books, which is more like the full-fledged publishing, and there's uh, Bakwa Cast, which is the podcast. And, and kind of the audiences are almost very different for all of these. For, for example, um, and especially with, with the podcast, we have a much more different audience, which is not necessarily a, a literary audience. And this is because the kind of like, guests that we had on the podcast were not just literary like we had um, conversations with bloggers with techies with art historians with poets and so it's much more different but when you come to Bakwa magazine it's a it's a very it's 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 very so so it's an inter, it's an intersection of so many different audiences so you have um obviously Cameroonians on the ground you have um a lot of people who are looking for African writing be it um be it lovers of literature, be it academics, be it curious people, it's 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 an it's really an overlap of so many different um, kinds of audiences, and um, and it again it differs when it goes to backward books again depending on the kind of book um, that we publish, but say for example we have a very young audience like our audience is very very young, and um, 
and 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 again it's so like the, the question of audience depends on so many different metrics for example um those who read our print um publications are not necessarily those who access our online publications so those are very um different kinds of metrics but overall i would say um the countries where we have the highest audiences are obviously um cameroon the us um the uk france and germany mm -hmm. and um nigeria kenya south africa nice yeah that's the you know the big english speaking places yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's excellent um so uh, you know i wanted to ask a little bit about your selection criteria i know there are a lot of projects i know there's proper books i know there's magazine i know there's an online presence i know there's a prize um but uh, to get to the very basic thing how do you choose what and whom to publish what's your criteria what do you look for okay um uh, in in the case of bakwa magazine for example we have um a call at least once every year usually around january february and um what we what we're looking for really is exceptional writing so like right i, I know that the the this is thrown around a lot, but we're really, really looking for writing that is honest, writing that mm -hmm. is experimental, writing, writing that has personality attached to it, not like writing that is formulaic. Like that's like the worst kind of writing that that we like. We don't like <laughs> formulaic writing, but really, we're we're looking for writing that is experimental, writing that has personality attached to them, writing that is really just willing to take the risk and try to do new things even if they're not succeeding at it but like just the fact that they're trying and yeah that's that's those are things that we look for mm -hmm. and um usually about um 60 percent of what we publish in Bakwa magazine comes from the open calls and then about 40 percent comes from um commissioned um pieces mm -hmm. and um yeah, each each issue has a really different thing that we that we want to um, do with it, or, or or thing that we want to achieve with it. For example, with um, taxi drivers, we were really um, curious about trying to document or access or just share the stories about what it means to travel as a black person, as an African person, and the stories were really really interesting. They were heartbreaking. They were political they were they went in really all sorts of directions from personal essays to historical pieces and it was really a very interesting um issue to bring together and also it was our first uh, print issue of Bakwa magazine and um it was also very very different from um Bakwa 10 family politics which was a much more darker issue i mean like and I never knew that family issues were this dark until we put out Backward Then Family Politics. That's like <laughs> the most traumatizing issue we've, wow. we've had to we've had to walk um, walk with or conceptualize or like um, publish. Mm -hmm. It was really, really very traumatizing, but still, it was. We feel that these are important stories that um, had to be told. A lot of them are personal stories. Then there's also fiction and there's also beautiful poetry. But overall, the writing is always consistent. It's always experimental. It's always beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love how you're surprised by the dark uh, aspect of uh, family. Meanwhile, 
when you look at your past issues, of course, those striking, beautiful covers that you'll design, there's pain. Yeah. There's the one that says, why poets die? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's clearly like yeah. a dark, dark edge <laughs> um, going on here. So I'm not surprised that's what you, that's what you got. Yeah, um, interesting. That's wonderful. And that also that's, leads, of course, to- That's, that's a very interest, interesting um, remark. <laughs> uh, I think I was speaking much more comparatively, like kind of like, especially comparing um, Bakwa 10 to Bakwa 9, I guess. Like yeah. Bakwa 9 was like um, much more, much more, more about like infrastructural problems, political problems, like visa problems. I think like back then it's just like darkness in the family <laughs> and like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, one of the exciting things about Bakwa is that uh, you are uh, all, the team is very committed to print uh, mm-hmm. books as well as in the magazine. I know you have some online presence, but your commitment uh, to me seems to be to print. How do you navigate the challenges of, uh, you know, these massive places like Amazon, you know, like Amazon now does translation, like it's very hard to ignore. Um, And in general, you know, big publishing tends to swallow um, small publishing, you know, so how do how do you how do you navigate the challenge of that? Like we've we've always thought about all these things, like how do we um, navigate all these different things, and and I guess right now one of the ways in which we're able to um, navigate, say maybe availability mostly, or maybe print availability in certain parts of the world, is uh, because we're currently distributed by um, African Books Collective, and it's mm-hmm. it's they're they're doing quite a, an interesting job in terms of like really distributing our work and making sure that we are accessible to a much more larger audience than we were um, in the past. And um, yeah, so like you mentioned big publishing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it's, we, we could have a whole podcast just about I know. publishers I know. following other publishers. But I think there's like so many different facets to Amazon to look at. And if you're looking at Amazon publishing in particular, I think it's quite fascinating the number of translations that Amazon is publishing, it's the numbers are really, really high. And I think that's a very good thing, actually, when you think about yes. it, because like more, more, I mean, like it's, I think, I guess we're getting back into a glorious period of um, literary translations, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely think um, uh, Amazon Crossing, yeah, because like specifically, like I said, Amazon has like so many different facets and here mm-hmm. I'm talking about Amazon Crossing. So I think they're really doing some, some good work. Um, but yeah, so like we, we try to always evolve depending on what exactly we're trying to do. And uh, our, our print audiences are definitely different from our online audiences. And we try, we actually mm-hmm. look at them. We actually like have projects which approach these different audiences specifically. So for example, we have um, exclusively print projects which um, are targeted at these print um, so exclusively print projects for people who like reading the book because like the print book mm-hmm. is, is an institution of its own. It's very different. It has its own aesthetics. It has its own history and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we, we, we definitely tend to do a lot of project-based um, publications as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, you know, one of the things, you know, we came up with a manifesto for the Radical Books Collective. And one of the things uh, we did realize that the print book has not gone anywhere. People are consuming print books. They love print. Yeah. They buy, they they buy print, you know. Uh, it's just like, 
we can't let just those like 10 <laughs> global corporate <laughs> publishers publish all the print books. I guess yeah. that, that remains uh, the challenge. But of course, you have a loyal following and, uh, you know, and I think the African continent continues to show that they uh, have discerning taste and that there's still a lot of innovation to come out of there, you know. Um, what is your advice for future publishing platforms such as yours, somebody starting out? What have you learned over the years? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to think about this one. So like in, in like I would I would so like two things. I would say if you want to start something, I would say you should definitely you should definitely do your research before you start. And once you feel like you're ready, you should give it your all and like really, really never stop. The it's it's a bit different the way we approached it because like in 2011 it was very different. I did not so like I, I just like jumped into it very um mm -hmm. without really thinking about it. And I think in that particular situation, that was the best because like, if I had to overthink it, if I had to think like, where where are we gonna be in ten years time? Where are we gonna have money to print? Where are we like if I if I had to think about all these questions, I would never start backwards. Like, I, I guess above all, what matters is just to go ahead and start after you've done your research and never give up. Because another interesting thing is that I think a lot a lot of the projects that we've been able to do comes very much from the fact that we had the will and the determination and the passion to do these things. Because like, if you take away these, we would have, we would have like, just, I don't know, we'd have found one excuse or the other, but the fact that though, that we are passionate about what we do and that we have the determination, it makes us to always, always look for ways um, to do what we want to do, be it partnerships, be it whatever, yeah. That's great. That's that's really great. Uh, I'm going to ask you a final question and don't be mad at me because I'm going to lock you into asking questions about Cameroon. <laughs> yeah. I know I know you're doing global work and uh, continental work, uh, but uh, just just sort of a, a, a it's kind of interesting to see there's been a lot of big names. And I think Bakwa can take some credit for that. But internationally, there's been uh, Imbolo Mumbue, but also like Matt Lon's book just uh, came out and it's uh, going to do really well. I mean, you know, th there's a lot of Cameroonian presence. Uh, can you describe why? Or can you tell me why? Or like, where is Cameroonian literature headed? Why, why, why is there this uh, sudden kind of uh, surge interest? So I I think I think the writing has always been there, but what has been lacking has been infrastructures. Yeah. And I think that now that infrastructures are beginning to get more and more available, more and more democratized, more and more accessible, it it's now making it possible for a higher number of writers to to um, gain much more attention than we were able to gain before. Take uh, Mutlan, for example. He is a fantastic writer. He's um, last two books were really, really brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy that um, he, he he gets his English debut. It's like really, really such a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you wanna do you wanna leave us with uh, one Bakwa project that you believe fits perfectly into the radical books category that we should immediately uh, check out? Yes, definitely. Um, and it's a project that I mentioned um, earlier on. It's the bilingual anthology that we did um, with uh -huh. the University of Bristol. 
um, your feet will lead you where your heart is. So okay. you skill is answer. It is, it's, it's, it's one of our most important projects, if I can put it that way. Okay. And if you look at it, it's, it's maybe our most ambitious project in terms of the number of people who've been involved in it, in terms of the number of years we've taken to like, Mm -hmm. um, conceptualize it and execute it and in terms of how far the project is changing the conversation around writing around translations around audiences I really think if there is um, a project that I want people to think about or to look up immediately after this conversation it's definitely um, your feet will lead you where your heart is the okay is answer yeah, and I will uh, I will include it in the in a link uh, when we publish the podcast. Your feet will lead you where your heart is. Uh, Four hundred page uh, pages of radical punch, right? Yeah. Translation, yeah. short stories, uh, lots of different editors and incredible new voices. Thank you yeah. so much, Zekashu, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure, and it's always great to learn from you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like I, I've always like just been reading everything that you're doing, the interviews that you do, the Zooms that you do. And it's like, you're really doing such great work. Thank you so much.